Every evening during this retreat, we are going to practice um, divine abode meditation, also known as the Brahma Viharas, which is a Pali term meaning divine abodes or beautiful states of mind. And um, this fits very, very well in with the mindfulness practice because one way to think about what we're doing with our mindfulness practice is a process of purification and cultivation. With mindfulness, we're seeing more clearly into ways that we misperceive reality and we... um, are trying to purify our intentions based on ignorance and, you know, based on greed or aversion. Just trying to see very clearly uh, what motivates our actions. And we're trying to cultivate very wholesome and positive mind states, uh, such as the four divine abodes. And those four divine abodes are loving-kindness, also known as metta, metta practice, Um, compassion practice or karuna, sympathetic joy or mudita, and equanimity or upeka practice. I think this week we'll probably stick to loving kindness. Um, And tonight, I think we'll just practice uh, sending metta to ourselves and to a benefactor. I particularly love benefactor practice, so maybe we'll try that. And um, in addition to a cultivation practice of just, you know, building the strength of our benevolence in the world... It's also an excellent practice for developing steadiness of mind, also known as samadhi or as concentration. So if you're ever just really feeling like you can't um, hang on to an anchor of um, you know, the sensations of the breath and the body or whatever, whatever other anchor that you're using to just stable, stabilize your attention, you can always uh, start doing loving-kindness practice. It's very wholesome, and it's a concentration practice, actually. Concentration practice. So let's just get comfortable. I think with uh, constant uh, with loving kindness practice, we want to be pretty comfortable. So you don't necessarily you can get even a little bit more comfortable than when you are um, practicing straight vipassana or uh, mindfulness practice. And there's some pretty classic phrases that we use. And I'll tell you 
the phrases that I use, I think they're out of Sharon Salzberg's first book on metta or loving kindness. But you can figure out, um, you know, which phrases are most uh, resonant for you. You can add phrases at the end. I actually like to add the phrase, may I have skillful and wholesome speech. Because speech is so so harming. So it's just a way for me to build up my right speech path factor. So getting comfortable. And starting with the phrases. May I be safe and protected from inner and outer danger. May I be happy and peaceful. May I be healthy and strong however that is possible for this body. May I live with ease. So say the phrases and connect without thinking to their meaning. Wordless reflection. And if they invoke any feelings at the heart center, you can awareness there. But if it's dry, that's totally fine too. Just the phrases. We can anchor our attention there. We're essentially setting an an intention. An awakened mind is absolutely benevolent. May I be safe and protected. healthy and strong. May I live with ease. Raises to yourself.
when our mind wanders, we can just gently bring it back to the phrases. May I be safe and protected. Inner and outer danger. Happy and peaceful. and strong. My life be easy. bringing to mind a benefactor. Maybe it's someone in your life, a relative or a mentor or someone who then unconditionally supportive or someone who has been most of the time If it's not a person in real life, you could think of an archetypal benefactor like the Buddha, or maybe someone from another religion. Blessed Virgin Mary or Jesus. Prophet. Someone who you've been a, benefa- uh, benefited from, <coughs> the connection. And if this works for you, imagine that the benefactor is sitting behind you. They're looking at you with complete love, not dependent on anything, total acceptance of every little cell in your body. And your benefactor is sending you metta. Unconditional acceptance and love. And you can hear them sending you the phrases, I see you and I love you. safe and protected. Happy and peaceful. Healthy and strong.
however that looks like for you. Have what you need. May your life be easy. That image in your heart-mind the unconditional love and acceptance of the benefactor. The love is a cloud or has some other material element. See the phrases of the benefactor to your own heart. May you be safe and protected. May you be happy and peaceful. You live with ease. That image and those phrases in our mind.
Imagining our benefactor, seeing every part of us, nothing left out. I see you and I love you. Filled with loving kindness. it always happy and calm happy and strong You have everything you need. Give love and receive love. And now with the benefactor in front of you, send back that love. And I love you. Heartfelt well wishes to our benefactor, but also feel the energetic field of their total love and acceptance. Actor. Happy and peaceful. Healthy and strong. Live with ease.
offer these phrases to our benefactor. So we have a, a few minutes for questions. Yes? Yes, that's really central to what we're doing here. Um, and when we can, you know, let go of trying to figure things out and let go of this discursive mind and to let mindfulness or just um, lucid awareness or clear comprehension, just watch what's happening. 
you know, with as much openness and as closely as possible. When that happens, mindfulness is collecting data. I use those terms because, you know, I'm in higher ed, those are the terms we use. (laughs) There could be other terms, I'm sure, but just letting mindfulness, uh, lucid awareness, clear comprehension see See what's happening in these heart-mind bodies, particularly just noticing the four foundations as the Buddha laid them out. Notice body sensations, notice pleasant and unpleasant and what that kind of triggers in the heart. To see um, habit patterns of mind or habit patterns of emotions or even the veil of mental states over perception. To just see those things with clear awareness without a lot of conceptual overlay, what that does is that allows wisdom to arise. Wisdom is the, is the outcome of that. And wisdom will do the work. All we have to do is to have a sincere intention to let that arise and to, you know, without a lot of striving or without a lot of, um, or just noticing how we might have negative opinions about ourselves when our minds wander, when we're not doing the practice, you know, all those things just become the next thing to see with awareness. They're just the next thing to see. And when we can see that and we can see how they arise and how they stay there and change and then pass away, you know, all we need to do is notice that, to just see that as clearly as we can. And then wisdom arises and wisdom takes care of it. Wisdom and love. Actually, there's a huge element of um, loving kindness in wisdom. Because when you think about it, wisdom has the function of relieving suffering. And how, isn't, how is that not loving kindness, right? They say the enlightened mind is, you know, knows the... Um, can see the three characteristics clearly. It can see just the unsatisfactoriness of conditioned life. It can see the impermanence of everything. And it can see the non-personal nature of it all. It's so interesting that, you know, we're looking for intimacy, we're looking for this connection by being this and doing that. And that intimacy is actually brought about by the exact opposite of becoming. It's about letting go of all of that. And, you know, when we let go of being this or not being that, you know, we come closer to the interconnectedness where there is no separation. It's an interesting paradox. 
So I think there's an element of trust there, though, isn't there? An element of trust and faith, sada. You might just reflect on um, any element of the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha that is uplifting for you and uh, to develop some faith and then just go back to clear, bare awareness. Does that make sense? And we'll see, you know, us not wanting to do that, not thinking we can do it well, wanting something to happen, but those are just the next things to see as clearly as we can. It's not personal. All looking for that intimacy, aren't we? That profound intimacy. You have anything to offer? Me? Yeah. I believe in wisdom democracy. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes? Right. Mm-hmm. So the question is, doubt sometimes seems like it's a wise thing to do. And how do you know when doubt is serving a purpose right now? And how do we know when doubt is just obstructing us going forward? That's interesting because my teacher Joseph says that doubt actually has a, it kind of tricks us to make us think that it's actually helpful. <laughs> And um, I would say that if the doubt is um, if the doubt is having us thinking a lot, if it's very conceptual, and it's taken us away from the direct experience of just watching as gently and as you know, awareness is always there, and we can always be aware of what we're knowing in the moment. That's essentially one way to hold what we're doing just what is being known at this moment and how, how um, close can I get to what is being known. And um, I can totally see how sometimes doubt could seem like it's very helpful and useful. And we could just, I mean, we could just say, okay, doubt, I see you, thank you, and I will promise to get back to you Friday afternoon. <laughs> Do you have any tips on doubt? Well, I had a few thoughts as you were speaking. Uh, to me, the the most useful, if if there is anything useful about doubt, it's it's that it shows you that you that you're uncertain, that you don't know, 
And what we usually do with uncertainty and don't know is we then try to figure things out, as, as Bonnie was saying. And in this practice, we try to keep that, what the, what the Korean Zen tradition calls don't know mind. It's the mind to which discovery can happen. It's the intuitive mind. It's just open. I don't know. It's like there's a, I think there's a famous line, in the mind of the expert, there are few possibilities. In the mind of the, in the, mind of the beginner, there are many possibilities. In the mind of the expert, there are few. So we want to keep the mind that has many possibilities. And that's very open. And that's in some ways, some people will call that the enlightened state, is the state of don't know. On the other hand, that can be contrasted with the skeptical doubt, which is really a kind of conclusion that, something, uh, that something's wrong. Usually something's wrong with me. Uh, I, doubting oneself, doubting what we're doing. And that, can, that kind of doubt can easily give a physiological sense of collapse and... Um, and um, and misery. And that kind of doubt uh, is not very useful, other than to use it as an equal opportunity for mindfulness. Oh, this is what doubt feels like. And of course, that which knows doubt is not doubting. It's like, it's, it's aware. And so that, and that kind of doubt will visit. So we want to make that shift from being lost in it to relating to it with awareness. One other thing that I love about um, the teachings are the advice against speculative thought. I love that. You know, the question is, whatever you're thinking, how is that helping you reduce suffering in this moment? Mm. How is that connected to your suffering right now? I love that question. It's so practical and pragmatic. So speculative thought. Not that useful. We have time for just one more question. Yes? Earlier in your talk, um, Howie Cohen. <laughs> 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 Terrible. <laughs> Who was it? Bikku Bodhi. Oh yes, Biku Bodhi. Analia, the Venerable Analia. A N A L A Y A. But you know, at the end of retreats, I always everybody, you know, the teachers or the sages on the stage here. Um, have what they give out and I always give out my one page of favorite free resources and I do have a link you can download all of the Venerable Analio's um, stuff for free so don't worry I will make sure you get a link and he's a German uh, he's a German person who um, like the Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi actually both did doctoral degrees in Sri Lanka they both did yeah and they're considered like um, ex, you know, some of our experts on the um, Nikayas, on the Theravadan approach, but you know, some people like reflection on the 
on the suttas, you know, the scriptures and others, it's not that useful for, but I'll make sure that you get a link to him. Yeah, they're both uh, some of our best scholars and practitioners as well, so. Oh, okay, sure. So you had your hand up? Um, yeah. Well, I would say that um, if you feel like you have... Oh, the question is, sometimes the breath at the nose feels very faint. And that absolutely happens. I would say two things. Um, One is, um, you might try to feel if it's more pronounced or a stronger sensation around the abdomen. Um, That could be one... Um, answer to that. Another is, if you feel like you have enough stability of mind, what uh, the directions for Vipassana meditation are, are essentially to, once you have built up some stability, actually you could also use the metaphrases for 10 or 15 minutes at the beginning of a sit. And then what we do is we open up our field of awareness. The way that I... um, the way that I language this is I let mindfulness pick the object. And, you know, what mindfulness does, it will pick whatever is most predominant in the field. And that will be the object of meditation. Essentially seeing, you know, not with conceptual overlay, see if we can see the beginning and what happens to it, just to watch what happens. Maybe that is a sensation in the body, Maybe that's a pleasant or unpleasant sensation. Maybe it's a thought rising and passing. Maybe it's one of the hindrances or the seven factors. Howie, what would you say? Yeah, if if you are if you are wanting to open the field of awareness, great. But if you're wanting to keep refining and steadying with the breath, uh, when it becomes really quiet. One, you can notice its subtlety. Uh, and just and the first thing is to try to come a little closer to the experience. Let your awareness become more gentle, more subtle. See if you can at least n- enough to be able to feel it. If it becomes imperceptible, which it will, because the body, as, you're, as Bonnie is saying, sometimes there's, there's steadiness. And when the mind and body come together, the body doesn't need as much breath, and so it sometimes diminishes. And so there's really not much to feel, but sometimes you can just shift to knowing that, that you're breathing. That's, that's even enough. But if you want to have some more gross sensation so that you at least have a, a, a better anchor, temporarily you can shift from, from the in and out or the rise and fall of the breath to just the feeling of the whole body sitting and touching. So shit, sitting, <laughs> it's sitting. <laughs> I won't repeat what I just said. <laughs> but sitting, touching, often after, after like three little moments of just taking in the experience of sitting, the whole body sitting, and then the touch, uh, the contact of some touch point often the breath will, will 
uh, emerge again as a as a um, a more distinct experience. And then, you know. I'd like us to one last question or a couple just about what your experience of the retreat, how it was settling in today, especially for the people who are new, but anyone, uh, what you noticed in the sitting and the walking, things in general, and of course, any questions or concern about what you noticed in the practice so that it's uh, not too theoretical, something that came out of the aliveness of your experience. Anybody else? Great. <laughs> it's important to really, you know, not to, you know, we still want to hold it in the middle. We don't want to become obsessed with it, but it's really important to notice that. And that's, you know, one of the seven factors. You're in the field of the fourth foundation, so it's excellent. Yeah. Loneliness and sadness, yeah. Very, not uncommon on the first day of a retreat. It's a, a major cultural shift for us and, it's very, and it can be quite startling and revealing how much we depend on a certain kind of contact for a sense of, of orientation. And it, initially, it's really, it's really common to feel lonely, sad, uh, cut off, it's some, like, as though something's wrong, but it, um, it, it's the first day, and <laughs> all I can say, the last thing I could say, will say, Bonnie may want to say something else, but it's a real opportunity to, uh, to provide ourselves with the the kind of loving kindness that we just uh, that we just offered to provide ourselves a, a tenderness and a mercy for for our suffering in that moment, acknowledging it and letting it be the cause of of self compassion. When it normally, if we're feeling sad and lonely, it will usually build a case for the prosecution. And it becomes a, a narrative rather than turning toward ourselves with, with kindness. So that, you can put that to good use as well. And yeah, and I want to say to that that, um, you know, what we're trying, one of the things, of the many things I think we're trying to develop here is an understanding of well-being, of our own well-being that isn't dependent on external conditions. 
Because if we have to depend on external conditions for our well-being, we're pretty much screwed. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but... <laughs> There's a way for us to, you know, have a sense of interconnectedness and a sense of well-being that isn't dependent on talking to someone else. That might be, you know, that, you know, when we can develop that and we turn to other people, you know, we have so much more to offer that our sense of acceptance of them isn't dependent on them being like this or like that either. So it's actually a really huge gift. And it's there, you know. Let me, um, if this is it, I'd like to close by reading this one little um, piece called Love 2.0. Oh, here they are. <laughs> Love 2.0. That kind of speaks a little bit to your question. This is a tech support and a customer. Love 2.0, tech support. Yes, ma'am, how can I help you? Customer, well, after much consideration, I've decided to install Love. Can you guide me through the process? Tech support, yes, I can help you. Are you ready to proceed? Customer, well, I'm not very technical, but I think I'm ready. What do I do first? The first step is to open your heart. Have you located your heart, ma'am? <laughs> Customer, yes, but there are sev several other programs running now. <laughs> Is it okay to install love while they are running? Tech support, which programs are running, ma'am? Let's see, I have past hurt, low self-esteem, grudge, and resentment running right now. <laughs> Tech support, no problem. Love will eventually erase past hurt from your current operating system. It may remain in your permanent memory, but it will no longer disrupt other programs. Love will eventually override low self-esteem with a module of its own called self-compassion. However, you have to completely turn off grudge and resentment. Those programs prevent love from being properly installed. Can you turn those off, ma'am? <laughs> Customer, I don't know how to turn them off. Can you tell me how? With pleasure. Go to your start menu and invoke forgiveness. Do this as many times as necessary until grudge and resentment have been completely erased. Okay, done. Oh, love has started installing itself. Is that normal? Yes, but remember that you have only the base program. You need to begin connecting to other hearts in order to get the upgrades. Customer, oops, I have an error message already. It says, error program not run on external components. What should I do? Don't worry, ma'am. It means the love program is set up to run on internal hearts, but has not yet been run on your heart. In non-technical terms, it means you have to love yourself before you can love others. Customer, so what should I do? Tech support. Can you pull down self-acceptance? Then click on the following. Forgive self, realize your worth, acknowledge your limitations. Okay, done. Now copy them to the My Heart directory. The system will overwrite any conflicting files and begin patching faulty programming. Also, you need to delete verbose self-criticism. 
from all directories and em empty your recycle bin to make sure that verbose self-criticism is completely gone and doesn't come back. Customer got it. Hey, my heart is filling with new files. Smile is playing on my monitor and peace and contentment are copying themselves all over my heart. Is that normal? Sometimes for others it takes a while, but eventually everything gets downloaded at the proper time. So love is installed and running. One more thing before we hang up. Love is freeware. Be sure to give it and its various modules to everyone you meet. They will in turn share it with others and return some cool modules back to you. Customer, I promise to do just that. So let's sit for a minute. May the positive energies of our practice bring all beings in all directions well-being and to freedom. Sweet, sweet dreams. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.